Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a happy, happy hour. Why? Donald Trump's business is going to get blowed up today. And uh, what else? What else? Justice is coming, I think, on, on every front. Oh, the Hunter Biden, uh, the FBI uh, yep. informant, uh, lied and was just arrested right. <laughs> this week. So it's, you know what? It's a Fonny, Fonny Willis told everyone to fuck off. Oh, Fonny Willis has no fucks left to give. No. And oh, my God. Yep. And we'll not have to come back for day two of this high-tech lynching, as I called it. Oh, my God. You know what? I'm I'm almost, I'm literally jolly. That's what I am. Are you? Uh-huh. Why are you jolly, Stephanie? Because David Jolly is, joins us for happy hour. And why, he has come fully into the light. I think he's going to be the next Democratic governor of Florida. And he is a, a f- he, former Republican, yep. but fully in, has joined us in the light. And then my tiny baby nephew, Paul Fitzgerald, who stars as the first gay president in the new Shonda Rhimes Netflix series, yep. The Residence. Uh-huh. Um, I loved, we talk all the time about the meanness, sexism, racism, homophobia yep. that Donald Trump has sort of unleashed or enabled people to to engage in. I loved what he said about Shonda Rhimes. He tells, we asked a whole story about how what she's like. She's- and she, he said, she said, you will be part of this. We're going to make a great TV show, but not if you're not kind to anybody on That's this right. set. So it, that is something that is missing in our society is let's bring uh, kindness back. Uh, and so please drink up the Maggie, uh, salty Maggie tears with your happy hour. OMG, I am so excited about our new sponsor, Cook Unity. These are ready-cooked meals. You want to know my first six? Grilled mahi-mahi with oyster mushrooms and steamed rice. <gasps> Vegan rigatoni pesto. Four cheese ravioli with cherry tomatoes and spinach. Hang on. Climate-friendly chickpea and quinoa bowl. Classic salad nichois. Lemon-baked tilapia. I don't have time to cook. These, you just pop them in the microwave. Bam, you're done. Go to cookunity.com liberal. You will not believe the quality and the, the, the quantity of different uh, choices that you have. Whatever you need. Vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free free whatever you love they have a delicious dish cook unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week and it's cheaper than other delivery options so delicious and no cooking required i love that on work nights for me go to cookunity.com liberal or enter the code liberal before checkout for 50 percent off your first week that's 50 percent off your first week by using the code liberal or going to cookunity.com liberal okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, David Jolly. (laughs) Made it. I made it. Yeah. I'm so accomplished in life. Thank you. Thank you. We just, we love you. I'd like to thank my wife and I'd like to thank my parents and of course you, Stephanie. We're going to send that along to MSNBC so you can be jingled properly every time you begin to speak. We love you. We love all your Monet paintings. Monet's my favorite painter. You're just, you know, classy with a C. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think I, I, you must run out of things to say about your former party in terms of just this, this whole ridiculous this is the border bill they demanded (laughs) they they vote it down and then they're going to go ahead with uh, trying again to impeach Mayorkas for not doing the job they won't give him the tools to do correct correct but you know they never fail to debase themselves and it's kind of like this constant (laughs) affirmation of making the right decision so in some ways I'm grateful for uh, how ignominious they are and and how this is perhaps the least productive Congress Uh, In modern history, truly, I mean, this is a Congress that will absolutely do nothing. And I think there's legitimate questions. Does Joe Biden run against a do-nothing Republican Congress? Because he certainly could. Um, I think what surprised me, though, in this recent face plant, was not so much the House. I mean, we've gotten used to it with the House. But Mitch McConnell, Mm -hmm. somebody who is really pretty deft at Republican leadership, I mean, makes the hard decisions, does not care what people think, for four or five months. He let his team negotiate this deal, and then he caved to Donald Trump mm-hmm. and said, oh, no, we're going we're gonna to vote to kill it. And then the funniest thing was after they voted to kill it in the Senate, you know, they realized, wait a minute, for months we've been saying we can't pass aid to Israel and Ukraine without the border. So wait, Mr. Schumer, Mr. Schumer, wait, 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 wait. We don't want to pass a clean bill. Now we need to vote on the border after all. Um, I don't know how they get out of this one, though, Stephanie, yeah. really. I mean... I, I don't know how Mike Johnson gets out of this because Mike Johnson is not Kevin McCarthy, who at least, you know, checked his pride at the door, if nothing else, checked his brass at the door and just took the hits. But yeah. I don't know what Mike Johnson's going to do. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I just say that this is a piece that was written today. Republican uh, rhetoric used by Republican office holders about the surge of migrants at the border with Mexico increasingly echoes the great replacement conspiracy theory that has inspired violence in the past could do so in the future. Uh, global projects against uh, hate and extremism said this is the idea that directly influenced the Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue shooter, the El Paso Walmart shooter, the Buffalo supermarket shooter. Um, you know, it is uh, the font of terrorism around the world. I mean, it really is. And this is the same rhetoric that Trump used again this this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah Stephanie, I, it is absolutely true that there is a baseline thread of racism and xenophobia that that is the bedrock of many in the GOP, certainly not all. And people can decide what's in one's hearts, but we know it's on their lips. And what's on their lips is certainly xenophobic rhetoric, dangerous anti-immigrant rhetoric. And let's be honest, I mean, the reason the border bill is not going to get a vote in the House is because for many in the Republican Party, 
one brown immigrant is too many. Mm-hmm. Bring us yeah. a white European skilled nurse out of, yeah. you know, some country that we favor in way. That's okay. That's all right. In fact, Donald Trump brags about increasing those types of immigrant visas. But the whole give us your tired, your poor, the the refuse yeah. passed upon the shore as as the poem goes. Uh, they've turned their back to that. And that's a question of who we are as a country, but really who they are as a party today. And, you know, actual plots, FBI agents, as you know, just disrupted a plot by three men, two of whom said they were part of a militia to travel to the Texas-Mexico border to kill border patrol agents and immigrants crossing illegally because they believed the country was being invaded. Uh, One of the men also called and left a phone message for Texas Governor uh, Abbott's office to alert him about their plan, saying, if y'all can't take care of the border and shut it down, we'll be forced to come and do it ourselves. Um, I mean, you know, so... between that, you know, it's it's Nicole Wallace. Who? When is she coming back? Could you get some information? <laughs> <laughs> but, as she said, right? Like, I think we all know some bad is about to happen between some MAGA-inspired right-wing violence, whether it's at the border or against judges or prosecutors. And it, I, I don't know what we do about that. I feel like we've just gotten numb, David, to th- this this latest thing this weekend about Trump encouraging Russia to attack our NATO allies. We're, we're so yeah. numb to him that I don't even feel like the media handles it properly. Do you? I I, I think we've we have gotten numb to it. That that's the right word. And I, I hate to start the week, you know, kind of ringing the alarm, but we need to because what what many of us saw in fifteen and sixteen with Donald Trump is his moving the really aggressively conservative policies of the Republican Party that you could argue were anti-immigrant, anti-diversity, anti-DEI, but they were approached almost in a Jeb Bush cerebral way. He moved it to a cultural movement, or at least unleashed the cultural movement that was ready to be unleashed. It didn't start with Donald Trump, but here's why that is so dangerous, and the ability now to micro-target voters. Now, instead of you know, Uncle Norman in some way, some flyover state, God bless him, I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but he was never the recipient of micro-targeted messaging because that wasn't the best uses of campaign money. This use of campaign money was the lowest common denominator. It's morning in America again, the economy's good, everybody has jobs, everybody's going to school. Well, now you're able to target communities that feel as though they're under attack if you tell them they're under attack. And if their way of yeah. life is being taken from them, if their culture, their privilege, their way of life is now being ripped from them, they get to fight back. They get to fight back. And that leads to January 6th. It leads to militias going down to the border. And what undergirds all of it? This angry, violent, white nationalism. And I think that the biggest lane in that movement is actually ignorant of the socioeconomic arguments they are making. But there is a powerful arguably violent lane in there and we occasionally see it and that's why the rhetoric's so dangerous and the refusal to de-escalate it not just from donald trump donald trump is trump but if you're jd vance and elise stefanik yeah. and matt gates and all these others that amplify it it's dangerous it's really dangerous well that's what i was saying that this replacement theory it could be from a fox show could be from an elise stefanik speech i mean it's oh, yeah. you know that are motivating as i we were saying these, these violent right-wing shooters and it, it, you know david i think it's I, 
I know I, it's hard to, I don't mean to blame everything on you, but <laughs> as David Frum, your former, also former Republican, said, you know, it, it, the GOP listens to Trump and Trump listens to Putin. I mean, that's what it's boiled down to in your party, isn't it? And to me, it's just out and out treason. I mean, it's just, it, it's they, they do Trump's bidding and Trump does Putin's bidding. And that's, you know, again on display this weekend, isn't it? Consider, so Donald Trump says, kill the immigration bill um, because I want to be able to run on xenophobia. And then he says, kill aid to Ukraine because I want Russia to win the war that they started. And then he says to NATO allies, and remember, if you don't pay up some absurd idea that he has come up with, I'm actually going to say to Russia, go do whatever you want to Europe. Yeah. It is it is dangerous, dangerous stuff. But look, this is where we are. And so, yes, I left in... Uh, the summer of 18, I left the party. And where I have grown impatient now, this cycle, like everybody has a journey and you got to give them grace and everybody thinks, oh, it'll come back, whatever. That's fine. Not now, not eight years later. Yeah. You can't be never Trump and still a Republican. You can't have problems with Elise Stefanik and Matt Gates and J.D. Vance and still be a Republican because you don't have a voice in that party and you're not turning the party around. So if you're a never Trumper in today's Republican party, you're either fooling yourself or you're fooling your community and your country, it's time to leave and get out and do something with your patriotism that can actually effectuate change, because it ain't going to happen Thank you. in today's GOP. Uh, that, David, that's exactly right. I was just going to say what you said. I wish more people would say that. There is no turning this party around. It's no, just, you know, I, I thank God you left, because we need more you know, good ones like you, just d- d- patriots. You know, I mean, it, that that's what it's gotten down to. It's like, you know, I think Rachel Maddow said the other night, like, we're a party, at least. They're just a guy. Yeah. They're just a guy. They just do whatever he says. I mean, there's no party anymore, is there? there there's not. It's a cultural movement that Donald Trump unleashed and parked in the Republican Party, but now it has the apparatus of a, of a party, and that makes it very powerful. Here's what I would also say, and this gets a little esoteric, but I think it's it's really important. The easy cop-out, particularly for politicians, on either side, we've heard it our entire lives, is the line, I didn't leave the party, the party left right. me, right? Mm-hmm. That makes you feel good as you leave. Well, you're not doing enough if you're simply relying on that statement, because I think we should consider whether it's okay to change your mind in politics, because that's my journey. Yeah, I could say the party ended up going too far for me. That's true. But I was also a part of getting it there, and I thought I could control it, and I couldn't. But in leaving... And in spending time as an independent, it's okay for me to change my mind. It's yeah. okay for me to approach questions of economic and racial equity differently than I did before, or to learn from the mistakes of my past and say, you know, maybe progressives and Democrats are right on a certain basket. Of oh my issues. God, you can and never okay be a Republican again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are correct. You could never <laughs> go back. <laughs> but we don't listen. Say as voters, I'm not sure everybody agrees it's okay to change your mind in politics. Sometimes we hold people accountable for a decade, um, something they said 10 years ago where maybe they're trying to change their mind. But I think that's a more important conversation for us to have in politics. But I'm not sure many Republicans who might be candidates to leave the party really are ready to have that conversation. But it's it's getting too late. Yeah. You don't get to stick around the party as a never Trumper much longer. Yeah, David, what do we do about the media that doesn't seem to have learned their lesson? <laughs> you know, it is still both sidesing things. Um, you know, just wonder your thoughts on the whole Biden age issue on you know Trump's criminal yeah. <laughs> situation yeah. and and where you think we're going to be in in nine months. 
Look, I, I do think an area where the, the media sometimes criticize for their coverage of Trump is there's a certain number of Americans who think if we don't cover Trump, it all goes away. I, I don't think so. I think you have to cover the danger yeah. of Donald Trump. However, the both sides of them, the corporate media needing to provide balance to the parties or equity between the candidates is absolute horse horse crap. All Thank right? you for that. And, and, and here's why. But it's also <laughs> true. I think the, the Biden team and I'm, I'm happy to support Biden this cycle. Absolutely. There's no question about it. But I think they're getting this question on age wrong. They're fighting the age question and you're not going to win that fight. Joe Biden's old and he's not getting younger. He's not Benjamin. Yeah. OK, <laughs> just accept the age issue and move on. Take that hit. And the reason you move on is this. This is not about age. They're using age as a proxy for fitness and capabilities. Show me where Joe Biden's age has limited his capabilities in leading the country Thank you. and reducing unemployment to all time lows and increasing home ownership to all time highs and breaking stock market records and breaking 401k records and, and keeping a network of freedom loving democracies throughout the Western world in an alliance against threats of terrorism and threats yep. from Vladimir Putin and other dictators. Who's done that? The old guy in the White House. Mm -hmm. So Thank you. you can call him old. That's fine. Take that hit. Who cares? Tell me where it's limited Joe Biden's ability to lead at home or abroad, and you can't. Thank the you. White House, though, look, this one hurt them. This one stung, and I've been there. When it's personal, it hits hard, and you don't think rationally. They're still fighting the age question. Stop it. Take the hit. Move on, because you beat Donald Trump on fitness yeah. and ideology every day of the week. David Jolly, I just the most important thing I want you to know that when you are the Democratic governor of Florida, we will change the <laughs> jingle, and the jingle will still be perfect when you come on every week when you are governor of Florida. Thank you, David. What? what? I'm just hearing, to be I'm just hearing things. All right, thank you, David. Uh -huh. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Could you please uh, cue my actor music, please? Luca has joined us from several flights of stairs. <laughs> Noted actor, my tiny baby nephew, Sir Paul Fitzgerald, has joined us in studio. Good morning. Hi Hello. How was your commute, Sir Paul? Oh, it was, I tell you what. Uh, I stopped by the coffee machine, uh, put in a quarter, got myself a cup of coffee, and here I am. We go live now to uh, my big sister trying to figure out the technical stuff just so that she can listen to her son on my on show. Is it on the Sonos? Is it on the Sonos? I need it, it, it to be on, on the, the Sonos. Sonos. Yes, well. It is. We come a, from a long her. line of technically impaired yeah. people. 
people. <laughs> um, Sir Paul, as I've bragged almost, uh, see the joke first of all, here's the joke. I call my tiny baby nephew because you're six, two. Six something. And a call. Just a few years younger than me. That's why it's funny. Okay, but I'm so proud. I've been bragging and bragging that you are in the new Shonda Rhimes Netflix series entitled The Residence, in which he plays Jody, the president. That's correct. <laughs> didn't, didn't, fir- didn't go for it again, did you? No, you, fed, no, uh, you know, no. <laughs> fool me once. <laughs> so you're out here shooting, as they say in the uh-huh. business. Yes. Um, the, so uh, you play the first gay president, yeah. and as you have famously said, you're bisexual and married to a woman. So you are stretching at least <laughs> half your acting muscles. It's unbelievable. The, you know, the I never knew in grad school the uh, the breadth of things I would have to portray, but um, <laughs> and the amount of research required to do that. But uh, yes, the the first gay president, Gapotis, as we call him, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and my first gentleman, Fagotis, uh, <laughs> the lovely Barrett Foa, uh, who portrays my husband. But yeah. So we've been doing some uh, some work on that. He's been he's you know we've been just trying to dust off the skills, trying to remind myself what's it really like to go all in uh, as gay. And yes. so, uh, <laughs> well, Sir Paul, you've previously told the story to yes. the Stephanie Miller Show audience. I believe you referred to your graduate degree in Shakespearean training sure. that uh-huh. you were playing a gay character once, and a director just said did that little gay yeah. hand motion and said we need a little more this. Give me a little of that. We're leaving that to the first gentleman this time. Okay, uh, a little more. <laughs> A little more wrist uh, for the for the first gentleman. A little more, uh, a little more Pete. A little more uh, uh, military Pete uh, okay. Buttigieg for, uh, for this yes. guy. You know, we all have to. Uh, uh, when when we started this process, Barrett uh, so soon we started texting, uh, and and he said, "I've just bought Chaston's uh, autobiography," uh, and uh, and I was like, "Great, well I've got Pete, so we'll just we'll go straight down the line, and uh, you be Chaston, I'll be Pete." And, uh, so far it's, it is, it's an interesting exercise when you, we haven't had it yet. We haven't yeah, had a right. first gay president yeah. yet, so it's it's so, you know it's all on your shoulders. Is what I'm yeah. saying. You may <laughs> crush here. the hopes and dreams yes. of. Little gay boys everywhere. Please. Exactly. We've got. If you blow this, Paul, no offense. Uh, there's a spoiler alert. Uh, Kylie Minogue is uh, uh, is in is in the show. She's the the whole thing takes place at a um, the night of a state dinner with Australia, and right. so the uh, live entertainment is uh, the the fabulously talented uh, Kylie Minogue, and um, and so there's a scene where she's up on stage performing, uh, you know, in, in in the grand ballroom of the White House. And, my husband is just bopping out of his seat. Uh, and I'm trying to be very presidential and sort of tap my foot along with the music, but not give it away to the folks at home watching right. that, you know, uh, I too would like to be up there. No <laughs> bopping. No bopping. Gays bopping. don't bop. <laughs> Gay presidents don't bop. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you, our friend uh, Spencer Garrett is in this. Oh, it is yes. a huge, fantastic yeah. cast. Yeah. I mean, the thing we talked about when you got here that's so heartbreaking is Andre Brower was a, yeah. a huge part of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. That's been a real heartbreak for this whole. First of all, you had the writer's strike. Yes. And then Andre died. So talk about this process. I it's, mean, it's been a <laughs> for a comedy. It's been a real heartbreaker. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a unique experience. We started this. I can tell time by by the times I come out here and stay, stay with you. Uh, this time last year, I was out beginning it. And right. then um, we shot four episodes and then the strike dropped and we um we promptly uh, walked away for uh, you know what what was maybe six months seemed like three years, uh, and then uh, just as we were you know um, getting geared to come back in uh, in December, uh, uh, or they were, they were just you know setting the schedules around and so forth to start shooting in, in, in January, and lo and behold, <laughs> we get this uh, email from Netflix uh, saying. Uh, 
we've got bad news. Uh, one of your beloved cast members has passed away. And so it's been, it's been heartbreaking uh, and, and, and like nothing I've, I've ever experienced, really the combination of, of the time off and which, um, you know, was just difficult. It's, a, it's an extremely, uh, it's a sort of knives out com murder mystery comedy, the show is, but there's, I've never been involved in anything in my 86 years in show business that has <laughs> as much joy in it. And, and as you say, the cast is just an embarrassment. You really look around those rooms, uh, we, they've got this sort of, the, it will be the most to scale replica of the White House that's nice. ever been shot on film. And so we, I do, we do a lot of stuff in the blue room. Uh, shooting, and I, I, there's days I'm standing around looking, you know, in, in the blue room and there's Randall Park and, uh, you know, uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and, and Ubo's, uh, Ubo Duza and, and, and Ken Marino. And me, you're just looking around thinking that I, I, wow. the, I, I hit the, the, yeah. the, the jackpot. And so, you know, we, um, the loss of Andre was just, he, he was the most joyful, um, you know, a generational talent. And, and, and to be fair, <laughs> and I think everyone would agree with this, as great as everyone in the cast is, there was just a special cachet about being in the show with Andre Brown. I mean, right. he really yeah. is that good yeah. and that Absolutely. great that you're like, yeah. you know, that, that would be always the, the last name drop and the people are like, who's in it? And I'd be like, and Andre Brown. I mean, he's just, because <laughs> he's just, because so, that, you know, he's just, he, he's a wow talent. And, and, and then of course, even moreover, just an absolutely beautiful, um, uh, human being, um, and so to, to lose him was really just yeah. was gutting. But you know, we're we're, we're back. Uh, it truly, in the adage of the show must go on. You're like, well, you know, still going. Paul, we were talking about, um, you know, I've a lot of friends in the cast of The West Wing, and how they had to deal with the death of John Spencer, yeah. whose character was beloved by those characters, but who, you know, as a person, was beloved by those actors, and how they, just the emotional impact of ha having to handle that. But you were saying. Andre, you had to reshoot because you're saying he was so central to the cast, you couldn't really write that in, right? Yes, I, you know, and listen, we've they. they um, I, th I think the production was was understandably de deferential and and kind of held off as long as they could with the decision. But ultimately, it's an interesting show. I mean, it's it's a murder mystery. It's all sort of told in flashback. Um, you know, um, about this event that happens the night of uh this this murder that happens the the, the night of the um the state dinner and the so Minogue I, concert exactly which is more important though. Um, <laughs> and so i think they were trying to figure out gosh you know can we somehow i don't know work with the footage we've already got or i, I you know but eventually yes they came to the determination they had to recast him and uh giancarlo esposito uh, has stepped mm. into the role who was oh he's fantastic absolutely there. fantastic and a dear friend of andre's as well and um uh and so it you know there's a there's kind of a beautiful symmetry to it he's uh, I think he's um he you know I spoke to him on set the other day just for the first time when we were shooting because they're starting to shoot his stuff now and and reshoot Andre's stuff and he just said it's you know uh he was a dear friend he's heartbroken but he is he feels honored to be stepping in and yeah. continuing the, yeah. the the process what by happened, the way so. I'm glad I turned my ringer off because I think your sister <laughs> my sister's probably calling now to find out how she watches this you're gonna have to pick it up soon. Oh my <laughs> sweet mother! I okay, you should have a man on the I'm air. I'm tapping out of that one. That's that's on you. That's on you. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, I. You know, we were saying though. I mean, this is the, first of all. You send me pictures all the time. It's a huge cast, yeah. and it's an amazing cast. And yeah, yeah. He I'm not doing justice to, to the half the cast by the, by mentioning yeah. any of them. I'm I'm leaving out half of them. They're all fabulous. He sends me pictures. The Mr. President says, "Has a good time in Palm Springs." I'm like, "Thank you, sir." Okay, then. He makes, I have to play hail to the chief every time <laughs> right. he comes home. He's right. really in character. Yeah, it's been a lot. He's in it's character. <laughs> we have to ask, what's Shonda Rhimes like? Oh my God. Um, you know, just. Like you would imagine, like just a kind of a um, 
a woman of enormous um, grace and just sort of an intelligence and kindness. And, and, you know, most of all, and this is something, again, <clears throat> my 86 years in, in show business, it's just uh, you, you, you don't often run into a situation where uh, when you sit down for the table read for the very first day, the very first uh, point that the executive producer, you know, sort of the top of the pyramid makes uh, in foregrounds is that uh, first and foremost, this will be a show where people are kind to each other. Mm, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a lot of shenanigans that get put up with in this business. I won't name, I won't name names or, or shows or instances, <laughs> but uh, the, the rumors are true. Uh, and, but, but boy, I tell you, we sat, sat down the first day for this and she just said, you know, we're going to make a great TV show here, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But none of that will happen uh, if, if you are unkind to someone anywhere on the call sheet, up wow. and down the call sheet. You, you will be a, a good person here first and foremost. And I just, you know, uh, as someone who you know, hopefully has tried to bring that ethic to my, um, to my 86 years in show business, to, to finally land could on a show please, where that's a, a value. Could you please stop blowing the big lie here on the Stephanie Miller Show? Because if you've been in business 86 years and I'm your aunt. <laughs> you could yeah. be younger. I know people who are younger than their it's nieces true. and yeah. nephews. Oh, yeah, so. that, that's possible. He's like a few years younger. Yeah. I remember you said when you first came to Hollywood, you're like, I'm staying with my aunt. You're, your friend's like, dude. You're like, no, no, she's really young and cool. She's a cool aunt. I'm cool I mean, aunt. I, I still qualify it. As if I'm not old now and myself, as if I have to like justify I'm staying with my young, cool aunt. But like, she's really young and cool, though. You know, <laughs> and they're like, but you're not. I'm like, I know that's true. I'm not young and cool anymore, but my aunt is. <laughs> well, thanks to my insomnia, I have seen more of your body of work. Speaking of one degree of separation, I'm watching Catching Up with West Wing. I'm like, what? he's on a date with Janelle Maloney. I thought you didn't tell me you were on the was on Blacklist. Again, I saw you on that. Ago. Oh, yeah. You, you play political figures really well. You were on Veep, and your yes. character on Veep was hysterical. Oh, God bless you. The yes. Super dumb congressman uh -huh. on Veep. So fantastic. <laughs> oh, but look, always look, I don't know which, where you go. Always looking for a promotion life. That's a congressman to a president. I'm looking to be ruler of the world. There you in my go. Next, yeah, what do you uh, play next? Whatever that is. Yeah, we'll see. I always said my favorite line was Julia Louis Dreyfus watching you going, "Oh, he even walks dumb." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, she's the best. She's the best. Yeah, hilarious, hilarious. I love that story about Shonda Rhimes. You know, I my late night show, Chris. I let me just say, uh huh. The company will go unnamed. Okay, it was a Disney executive, right. but <laughs> sure. I remember made my assistant on that show cry, and I remember saying the same thing, Paul. I said, "We yeah. don't mistreat mm. anyone on this show. Yeah. I don't care if it's an assistant or a runner or whatever." And that makes sense to me that she's as big as she is because that's her her ethic. You know, it is yeah, it's so you beautiful, get that and big, so without... rare, and 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 um and and just to uh, to be able to yeah to carry both to be great to be talented to be someone everyone wants to watch but also be doing it the right way is uh, is a beautiful thing and, yeah. and a shortage of that around I think you know now what was the show that you played you uh, you cast that they cut your penis off that was SVU oh SVU <laughs> I saw it yeah yeah now what happened there <laughs> oh poor thing poor <laughs> Marissa Hargitay had to I think someone put it on ice though didn't they did they, they, they did. put it on ice because you went sure into the hospital and they reattached yeah. it well, it might have been ice was that ice is ice tea on that show no, who's, who is that yeah no. ice is on that ice, show. Is on that show. I think ice, ice put it on ice uh, <laughs> to, uh, to don't I get one of those joke things how about me I'm sorry sir Paul no, but we were working all by myself Jody I know I say, <laughs> we'll you know, let the people know when the jokes are coming what's going on around here what's happening um so <laughs> and now my personal favorite is when you uh, you played a politician who had filleted a Santa a statue Santa. on, uh, I'm forgetting um, my shows now. The Good Wife? Yes, The Good, the good Wife. Yeah. You filleted, they took a picture of you filleting a Santa yeah. statue. And yeah. tell that story a little not, bit. Not as Because these the producers were not Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, these were the, the anti-Shonda Rhimes. Yeah, this was... <laughs> 
Yeah, they I were remember. Messing with you. Did uh, I'm going to repeat myself because I know I, know I sent a long-winded version of this uh, of this story uh, uh, a while back. Yeah, but, I was yeah. like, Paul, edit, snip, <laughs> edit snip, snip, snip. But snip. it's a really traumatic story. You know what I mean? So it took a while <laughs> to get it all out. Uh, yeah, no, I had to fillet to Santa, and there was like a green screen involved, and it was like late in the day, and I was trying to get away. It was actually my my birthday that day, and I just wanted to go have fun with her friends and have a dignified life. And uh, and I was on my knees filleting a green screen. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, there was some off screen, you know, instructions being thrown in, like wider, long, b- bigger, bigger mouth. If you could open your mouth more when you know, wow. like, why? Because Santa's got a, wow. a big, uh, big, a big North Pole schlong, apparently. Or, <laughs> a big candy cane. A big, there a big you candy. go. Thank you. Uh-huh. Who's the Good actor that was like the smile, the look on Santa's face is not helpful? Yes. Who's that? Oh, um, was Alan, Alan Cummings? Cummings. Yeah, oh yeah, my God. God hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, you have had an illustrious career, Sir Paul. Uh, yeah. It was something. It's been something. <laughs> I appreciate the word illustrious. And can I just confirm yesterday on Valentine's Day, because you were married to a woman, Chelsea, the fantastic uh, Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Shout out and to can, my wife, Chelsea. And can I just say, uh, the so you're bisexual, but the straight part is super straight because you're like, yes. a college, you know, you were a high school football star. And yes, you, totally. you can confirm that you got your wife boots for Valentine's Day. I did. Work I, boots. I, because that's like a super straight guy. I got her some, yeah, some work boots for our daily, uh, well, the more sort of hike. We, we take walks in our local park with our dog, and it's kind of a, 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 a bog, marsh uh, situation. Sure. So uh, she was getting her little uh, her little tennis shoes, you know, all wet. And, and I, like the man I am, I bought her some real boots to keep her dry yeah, in the, uh, that's during the walk. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's good stuff. But yeah. the worst was I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm a man also uh, cheap. Because, you know, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> grow on trees. So I, and I bought her these boots like two weeks ago. I was like, babe, so on Valentine's Day, wake up and put those boots on because there won't be nothing coming to the door uh, flower-wise. So daddy daddy bought you that, uh, that Valentine's present two weeks ago. So thoughtful. Uh, so, so thoughtful, right? Yeah. I mean, really, I could have doubled down with the flowers, but I was like... Those was muddy, like, muddy two-week-old boots. Wear them all around the house Happy all day Valentine's long, Just Day. to remember. Yeah. Those muddy boots say, I love you uh-huh. and I'm cheap. That's a that's a step up. Like when we, like just a couple years in, when I was really getting acclimated, just to, I mean, forget a woman or just just being acclimated to be dating anyone. Because uh, I always think of Valentine's Day as an ideal day to break up with someone, you know, if you were trying to get out of a relationship. But uh, a couple years ago, we were just into it. And she was living in Chicago at the time. And I, I called her up throughout the day. And I was like, hey. And she was living in a, in a building, like a high rise down there with a, with a doorman. I was like, hey, d- d- check by the door. And when you go go home today, like uh, throughout the day. And finally, at the end of the day, she's like, I went by the door. And there was nothing for me. I was like, I know, surprise. I didn't get you anything. Oh, I know. You're a I thought it was so funny. funny. And I told her. I, t- I, I, I Thank you, Jody. And I, I would tell people funny. the story. I told a, like, a woman friend of mine that. She's like, that is the worst thing I've ever you're heard. I think you're it's funny. Yeah, I'm yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're bad. You're a bad man. I found my audience. Okay, you would have heard that, baby. You're who I've been looking for. You would have got a huge kick out of that. Sir Paul, we love you. I love you. I love you. I've taught you everything you know. As <laughs> everything you know I taught him improv as a child. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm responsible. And here we are. What a journey. <laughs> love you, Paul. Oh, your sister probably, my sister probably just tuned in right now. Right. <laughs> it was a great interview, Libs. All right. Thank you, guys. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>